Imagine how kind the world could be if each of us spent a small part of our day actively listening to someone else. In each episode of Active Listening, students from the University of St. Francis share conversation with older adults and discuss life lessons. The project's goal is simple, to bring people together through the kindness of listening. Today we hear from Loretta. She was interviewed by Laura Jansen. Loretta values family, faith, and service, and in their conversation, Loretta talks about finding her purpose. What's your most cherished family tradition? When we put the angel on top of the tree, when the kids were younger and my husband was involved, he had always had a blue star, and it always had to have blue lights. But that was a tradition that no matter where we lived, because we moved around a lot, you still always knew that that represented, A, who we were, that Christ was the center of the home, and that we watched for him coming again. Could you tell me a little more about your family? It's a family of five. The family of origin is a family of five. One boy, Larry, who was the perfect child. So we had to hear repeatedly when we did something that my parents didn't think was measured up that Larry didn't have to do it. Try that. My mother at the age of 36 got pregnant again. And my brother just thought, how could he even go to school? And people know his parents were pregnant at that age. So there's a year and a half between my brother and my older sister, Phyllis. There's five and a half years or about five years between Phyllis and I. There's only two years and five days between my sister Martha and I. She's two two years and five days younger. We were very different. And then 10 years later, for me, my youngest sister was born. My mother died when she was six. So she was kind of like a real blessing for that. But that was one of the things that my mother worried about the most is is that she also wouldn't be able to see her grow up as a child. And you said you moved around a lot? We moved around. My father was what you call a church planter. He did not think you should stay very long at one church because you should grow them to the point and then God wanted to have you do that same assignment somewhere else. I, I went to six schools. And then I just sort of continued that practice because I married a man who was a a telephone contractor. And then we had a flight school. So I've lived in 12 states. What was your, what would you say your favorite state was that you lived in? Phoenix, Arizona. The weather is conducive to block parties and people being out and talking and sharing. That's somewhat changed now. But in the 70s, when I I lived there, that was that. My parents were, were... born and raised in Indiana. And so my mother used to make us get out of the car whenever we came across the state lines and staying back home again in Indiana. She always remained a Hoosier. So do you feel like you had a really nice childhood? I didn't think so at the time in some ways because we were so incredibly poor. You knew things were hard and you all pitched in. However, because of extended church family, And my parents, my father being so outgoing, and me never knowing a stranger, I went around collecting friends. 
So although my family, my siblings were shot, I was always the first when we moved because I loved moving and, and I was meeting all these little friends and bringing them home. So my childhood was probably pretty idyllic in the fact that we lived in small towns and even though we were poor because my father was a minister, there was that respect or prestige. So you had, you didn't know that it didn't affect you from, from a status thing where you, your poverty showed as much. You were supposed to be poor when you were a preacher. So yeah, I really believe that I had a happy childhood, but my parents always taught me that whether you were a girl, I mean, it didn't matter whether you were a girl or a boy, if you were smart and you worked hard, you could succeed. So they really all, they really encouraged me to get an education. They really encouraged me to believe, totally believe in myself. It sounds like faith was a big part of your life. Was Would you say it was also a big part of your children's life? They say that it was my faith, that that they had that early childhood training at church. And so from the child until the child's like four, I mean, you know, you really do. That's very important in how they're formed. However, I did not go to church for 10 years when my kids were like up to teenagers. And then we then we went back because they were like starting to hang out and do their own thing. So we went started going to church again. But I was we were separated at when they were like nine and 11. And so during that period, I, ju- I dated and did not go to church. And I was going to call and I went back to college at the age of 42. So I was working full time and going to school full time. So I chose to study uh, rather than go to church. And then I realized that it was hurting my children. But they say that it, that my faith was very evident and not perhaps what how I always was living in terms of works, <laughs> but in teaching them. So you have two children, is that right? I basically have two children uh, by birth. They're 22 months apart to both boys. And I have a stepchild. Would you say your two boys are close? They were so different in personality. The oldest one just wanted to please everybody. So he would lie in a hot minute. He was very perceptive about knowing what you wanted to hear, and he just told you what you wanted to hear. They have both had their own struggles with alcohol, but the oldest one had a lot of struggle with alcohol and drugs. As a result, they were not close because the oldest one was always one minute he was protecting his brother, and the next minute he was involving him in crap that he shouldn't be involved in. And as a result, things happened that caused a breach. What did you go to school for? After my husband and I separated, he did not want a divorce initially because he wanted his cake and eat it too, but he really felt I was family. Well, I decided that I... I hadn't finished college. I don't had a year of college before we married. All of a sudden, I began to think that maybe I was smart. I was going to Hope Alive, which is an organization for women. And at that time, we had a lot of support groups. And so I went for support for the divorce. Well, I met someone. 
almost immediately, you know, me being outgoing. And so I just fell in love again. And well, when the, the men and I broke up, I said, okay, you need to learn what you need to do in life. What, what God has a plan and purpose for everybody. What is yours? I always loved learning. So I got the encouragement of the director of Hope Alive. And she said, Harry and I want to sponsor your first semester. So I enrolled at IPFW. That changed everything for me. I did learn what my plan and purpose was. It wasn't trial by error anymore. That worked very well until, so became an administrator, but that's too stressful. And it really, to me, was still secular. And I'd had this little calling when I was a little girl to be a missionary nurse in Africa. Well, nursing wasn't for me, so we can scratch that part. But how could you serve people? I was teaching a Sunday school class and to college and career age. I'd gone back to church. And my pastor wanted me to go take the kids to a Missions 95 in Louisville. Well, when I did that, I got the call. I thought, you know what? I'm much more designed because I'd learned the grief process of facing all the losses, loss of a mother, the loss of dreams. See, loss of dreams is the same grief process. Why not become a chaplain? I'm, I'm a perfect candidate. So I went and enrolled in the pastoral care and counseling, uh, I mean, degree at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. Well, that would have taken too many certifications. So practical that I am, I chose Christian education. I I, I suddenly felt fulfilled. I mean, it, it just was that way. So there I began to learn. My ministry is to people that probably don't even want to go to church, but that are searching They're unhappy and they're searching for the meaning in their life. They're searching for God because we have that seed inside us. And so through my counseling at facilitating support groups at Hope Alive and that combination of things, my own life experiences, I, at at the age of 61, got the only job I've ever been happy in. I was became the executive director of Unto Others, which was a food, clothing, and mentoring ministry that's practical that's business and it's ministry. And so from the age of 61 to 69, I became who God designed me to be. If there was a piece of advice you could give to younger generations that you've learned over your life, what would it be? To be a calculated risk taker, but still always take the risk. Even if you fail, it, the experience alone has been worth the risk. What you just heard is part of the Active Listening series, put together as a collaboration between the University of St. Francis and WBOI. Additional conversations can be found online at WBOI.org or wherever WBOI podcasts are found. Faculty advisors for Active Listening are Miles Fulwider, Jane Martin, and Kristen Miller. This program was also made possible thanks to the support of Trina Bodeker, from the USF Office for Service and Social Action. Our interviewers are Laura Jansen, Georgia Lieb, Caleb Meyer, Sean Rollins, Jennifer Schinkel, Sage Souter, Miranda Tyler, Kendra Seifring, and Doe Thong. USF Meta students are Nicholas Cardosa, Vaughn Gallagher, Joey Lamping, Ashley Price, Renee Robinson, Tyler Ross, and Jennifer Schinkel. 
Active Listening's creative director is Larissa Whitaker. Our music is by Noah Campadonico. And thank you for listening.